This is Dan Fagell, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. Some of the ways that we craft our content here at Emerge in terms of our infographics, our research, our articles, and even our interview topics is based on feedback from Emerge Plus members. Some of the, you listening in right now, maybe hundreds of you, uh, are Emerge Plus members. That's E-M-E-R-J dot com slash P1, P as in plus. You can learn more about Emerge Plus there. Emerge Plus members are signed up for all of our best practice guides, our infographics for how to deliver results with AI, frameworks for return on investment, frameworks for finding AI ROI opportunities, as well as our biggest library of use cases, uh, searchable by all kinds of interesting criteria, so you can find the right vendor company, the right AI use case for your clients or for your own business. And Plus members have a set of their own unique problems. A lot of them are AI consultants. A lot of them are internal innovation or strategy leaders within large, reputable companies around the world. And one of their biggest concerns is asking the question, where do I target my efforts with AI first? What's a real problem versus a toy problem? And I love getting opinions on this question because it matters so much to our Plus members, and we're always trying to deliver the best of the best for them. So we've gathered opinions about this from enterprise leaders. You've heard us speak to leaders of multi-billion dollar companies, folks focusing on AI and big organizations. But I also like talking to vendors. I like asking them the question, hey, when you built this product that's now successful and being used all around the world, when you built this, how did you find what problem to target that was really going to deliver business results? And our guest this week is Mahmoud Aram, who's the CTO and co-founder of BlueCore. BlueCore has raised over $100 million to uh, deliver artificial intelligence into the enterprise. So this is a firm that certainly has traction, certainly has a lot of experience, and learned a lot of hard lessons about what is the value we're adding to enterprises. So whether you're building an AI product or whether you're thinking about where to apply AI in your own business, the kind of tribulations that Mahmood has gone through and the way that he thinks about targeting real, true business problems is something that I think will be transferable to you. And hopefully for those of you who are Emerge Plus members, you're going to get the framework from this episode as an Emerge Plus member. So stay tuned for that. This will be helpful for you as well. Again, if you're not yet an Emerge Plus member, you're interested in quick infographics to help support your decisions for finding AI opportunities and finding AI ROI, go to emerge.com slash P1, that's E-M-E-R-J dot com slash P is in plus, and then the number one, and you can learn more about Emerge Plus there. Without further ado, this is Mahmoud Aram with BlueCore here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Mahmoud, I want to be able to dive in with you here on this theme of our Thursday interviews around making the business case for AI. It means different things to different people. You know, all I know is when an executive is deciding, do we adopt AI or not for X deployment, they're looking at a certain number of component parts to make that decision. What are those key parts for you? Thank you, Dan, uh, for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. From my, from my perspective, so our customers are brands and retailers, and I have found that AI is a bit of a buzzword. Uh, everyone right now has AI in their name, including a company where I bought my standing desk from. So it has lost its meaning, I think, when it came when it comes to uh, business cases. So the way I have been thinking about it is in terms of accelerating goals that the companies already have. In the case of brands and retailers, what has been happening, uh, especially in the pre-COVID world, is that the cost of acquiring customers has been going considerably up. There's a lot of uh, venture capital money that's going into direct-to-consumer brands. Everyone is buying ads in order to uh, acquire new customers. Um, but then no one has been thinking about retaining customers. And retaining customers is much more efficient. And in order to retain customers, um, one of the elements you have to do there is to communicate with them 
at the level that they like and be able to personalize content to them, at least in the context of retail. Now, AI can make that possible. And essentially, uh, what we replace are existing workflows and outdated technology that makes retaining customers uh, cost ineffective and makes it, uh, from a workflow perspective, very, very expensive. And we make all of that easy. And we just happen to use AI to make that possible. Yeah, so you're, you're saying accentuating an existing, already kind of present goal. That said, I guess different kinds of deployments with AI involve different factors here. So I'm, I'm thinking about what it looks like to apply AI to detect fraud or to build a chatbot where we've got to get a pretty strong corpus of our own data together. We've got to clean and harmonize that stuff. We've got to get cross-functional teams to come together and maybe make sense of that. Some applications like, you know, a security camera that detects people. Well, it's pre-trained. I don't, we don't need any inter interaction. You're buying it like it's software. It's off the shelf end of story. But I would imagine for an AI deployment, often we do have those realistic considerations. So we don't have to sell with the whiz bang like a Nimrod that like AI is cool for its own sake. I, I think safely and squarely that's for Nimrods only. And uh, this podcast hopefully has very few of them tuning in, certainly if they've been berated long enough with the, the messages that we've been sending to them and best practices. But those considerations still feel real and feel like they're things that leadership is going to have to address. How is that presented on the table when people are saying yay or nay, whether it's to your solution or something else? Yeah, what we've seen is that there's a lot of digital transformation projects out there, uh, especially in retail, which is the vertical that we focus on. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a buzzword and there are lots of consultancies that are working on this. What we've noticed is that there are lots of these projects that have been going sideways. A lot of money has been spent on those. And essentially, a lot of the uh, challenges that they've run into are around essentially what you were just saying, which is data collection. How do I collect even my own data? It's in silos. It's in different parts. It's in different databases. You know, you think about retail, it has a very complex data set that moves at different speeds and it's in very different levels of structure, right? You have real-time interactions on your website and then you have inventory movement in physical stores. Uh, so usually getting that data all in one place uh, in order to even like run analysis, like let alone execution on top of, becomes a, a hard problem. Right. And there are many cases in which AI solves that, solves the collection of data. I would say, you know, in this case, it would be machine learning and even the precursor of it, which is how do I actually wrangle all of this data, put it into one place so that I can actually run workflows on it, et cetera. So I would say usually that is usually that is the consideration is how do you solve the data problem before you even embark on the ML part? Yeah. And that, that feels like. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're selling, whether you're a service or a product, you're selling AI into an enterprise, they're going to have to overcome that, right? It's not, you're not just going to be like, well, you, you can figure the APIs and uh, I'll show your users how to use it. And, and then that's it. See you later, guys. It's, it's not really like that. We're going to have to dive into these silos to some degree. How do you present that without scaring people away? Hey, look, this is going to involve some integration here. This is going to involve harmonizing some stuff. This is going to involve working in new ways and thinking through new problems. Like you said, we're identifying with a goal that we know is important to the client. I think that's tremendously, you know, sharp, smart, you know, more prescient than ever in, in this COVID era. But but how do we present the realities of what deployment look like without making it spooky? So that's easier said than done. The reality is in a lot of these digital transformation projects that include an AI component, the integration part is usually what fails. Because everyone says, oh yeah, I have APIs. Of course, you can put this system with that system and you can integrate Oracle with Adobe. And the reality is you know, companies lack either the technical 
uh, background to do this, or you know, usually everyone has such a snowflake of an implementation. There's so many. You know, you look at uh, marketing automation. There are five thousand different vendors on the LumaScape sheet. So everyone has a very different permutation of systems on their stack, and integrating all of those together, especially if you are a new vendor on the stack, is really really difficult. So that is a very common failure which you have to overcome in order to be able to be successful. So, so there's uh, success at being able to sell, and then there's success at being able to actually deploy. Yeah. You know, I, I see vendors maybe talking about two different ways of solving that, and I'm sure you have a perspective. You guys have been quite successful. I mean, you know, you're closing the gap on 300 employees here. I mean, you guys are doing something right. So I've seen some vendors say, look, what we've tried to do is dial back the number and amount of different crazy data sources we need to work with in order to deliver value. We try to find the ones that are the most consistent among clients that are going to deliver the most value and not make it any more complicated because getting that data is already too damn hard. Um, and then others are saying, look, you know, it's going to be really, really bespoke client to client. They're going to need to buckle up and deal with that, but we're going to dial in something that's really tailored for them and we're going to succeed that way. Do you have one side on the fence of, or, or the other that, that you tend to lean on or something in the middle or? Yeah, so uh, in order for us to solve this problem, we decided that we needed to focus on just one vertical, right? So if you look at retail, the types of data that retailers have uh, tend to be very similar. You have orders, you have customers, you have behaviors, you have products. And essentially, if you focus on a, re on, on, on a vertical, then you perhaps are able to come up with the, with the grammar for what that data model looks like, and thus the integration technology that is required. You're right, you wouldn't need all of the data that say the retailer has, you would need the ones that are pertinent for your solution. So in the case that you're doing say marketing automation, you need to understand customer behavior, perhaps catalog and inventory movement, but nothing else. And if you are able to focus on that, then you can come up with repeatable patterns for how you onboard the data in that vertical. I think you run into trouble if you are trying to do something uh, that is generic enough uh, that works for all business verticals, then in that case, you need to have essentially a, a heavy professional services practice around it. And this is yeah. where failures are, are very common. Yeah, there's, well, there's all kinds of interesting takes around these AI companies, you know, regardless of how much money they raise, being this weird combination of software and of really heavy services sort of elements. And I think everybody is hoping for that tremendous scale point. And some companies I think will find it, others might not. It's, you know, there's a Darwinian or, or influence sort of happening in this enterprise ecosystem. When you think about, so you guys have picked a vertical, and I think most smart companies that get to, you know, the size that you folks are, they don't do it by saying, well, we can solve X wide range of problems for X wide range of companies. Like that, that's extremely tough. Like you said, you got to figure out the grammar. You got to figure out specific data sources, a specific problem to solve, you know, a specific problem to resonate with. You brought up right off the bat. We want to find something they already care about, solve the damn problem. So with that said, now, you know, still some of that integration is going to happen. A lot of people fail in it and, and you know, they don't even get to a B round uh, or maybe even an A round. You know, you folks have made it through. You've had to attach to that goal, convince people to business case, and also convince them to go through that integration process, which is not always going to be the same for everybody, and that's fine, but you convince them to go through it. How do we kind of sell? It feels like a hurdle. It's, it's definitely you know a deeper part of the integration. How do we make that part of the business case, again, without making it scary, without making people say, what, another X number of months to harmonize my data? Ah. So I, I think that there is, uh, again, you know, as a CTO, I always think about the implementation. So there is the messaging for how do you talk about it? And then there's the reality of how does the thing actually work? 
So I think that it's a problem that if you want to make onboarding easy, it has to be something that you invest heavily in. And you're right that it is a combination of technology and services. Uh, and perhaps you start with services and then you figure out how to make it more efficient with automation. So in our case, we happen to have a team called Forward Deployed Engineering. And I think that's very common in the industry as well, where you have a team that works sort of within a, um, within a framework of onboarding data and, and in, in order to fill that gap between the nuances of any one client and sort of like the data model that your, uh, that your platform requires. So that's usually how we solved it. And essentially, we are able to show data and we're able to show testimonials from customers that says, you know, you can land it, you can onboard in 45 days or less. So I think that this is usually a common problem that companies ignore, which is the onboarding and how do you make onboarding successful and reliable and repeatable and put a time box on it. Yeah. But you actually have to put technical resources into it and, and treat it as part of your product. I like that. So, okay. So for you folks, again, you picked a vertical, you picked a specific problem. You probably learned a lot of hard lessons, to be honest, you know, your first half a dozen times doing this. And then you said, look, (laughs) still learning. Yep. Now you have a specific team that goes forward. You have some bounded reality of what that's going to involve, how long it's going to take, what kind of variables are going to come up. And you got a playbook to run that. And you can, you can sell that as less like a complete guinea pig experiment and more of like a look yes this is a little bit complicated per client but hey here's here's the time frame in which we can get this done so it sounds like you try to bound it as well as you can and then you just have it be part of the onboarding you be frank about that and you you get your onboarding down as 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 succinctly as you can exactly and i think this data integration problem as well as becoming an area that there are some companies that are investing in it as standalone so we've talked to a few startups that are looking at this problem of how do you integrate data between different systems that have completely different APIs, completely different business objects, completely different styles, right? And it's an area where AI itself is is getting applied to that specific problem, which happens to be the precursor for any sort of AI implementation in the enterprise. So it's very interesting. Cool. Um, And I guess this leads us into our second question here around thinking about return on investment. You know, I, I like a lot of what you've brought up here around making the business case, and it seems like part of the business case. You, know, you talked about appealing to a problem they already have. Is if it's a problem they already have, there's some ROI in their mind, whether it's financial, whether it's strategic, whatever the case may be. AI, it's it's often very hard to predict and project specific monetary amounts, specific time horizons. You know, this is an iterative process. There's complications here. How do you like to put together the pieces that make up? ROI when talking to a client or kind of kind of building this case? Yeah, so that's a really that's a really, really interesting question. And I suspect that it always depends on who is your economic buyer. Right? So if your economic buyer is a CTO versus say a CFO, uh, what they care about are like different things and what they think about in terms of, as ROI is really different. Uh, so in our case, we happen to have the way we measure ROI is in two ways. One of them is direct, which is you know, is there a formula by which you can calculate incremental revenue, right? That's obviously not straightforward for every business. The other one, which I think is intuitively understood, but sometimes hard to quantify, is workflow optimizations or business problem optimization, the business process optimizations. So for example, we have workflow tools that uh, make it such that processes that used to take you uh, 12 hours now take 10 minutes, 
right? And you can say that there is an efficiency uh, play here. There's a, a, an efficiency return on investment. And that time that people get back, they can spend it on more strategic initiatives. So that becomes another way to think about ROI as well. And for some customers, that is the part that actually has the most value, especially the ones that are very like brand oriented. Uh, they don't really care about the dollars and cents that, that say retention marketing drives. Um, but for them, the idea of workflow so that their people can become more strategic and more creative uh, is much more pertinent. Got it. And is that often, again, some of these things are really tough to measure because you're impacting certain parts of a workflow and there's nobody standing there with a stopwatch timing how long each part of the workflow works or you know, giving people real-time surveys, how creative do you feel now, how creative do you feel now? How cre so some of this stuff is hard. It sounds like some of what you're saying there about freeing up people from, from those rote processes is sort of like a plausibility argument. Like, hey, wouldn't it make sense that your folks would be a bit more freed up to do important stuff if we could have them spend less time doing this? And it's just kind of like a rational, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, is, is that often the level at which it has to be addressed? Because it's it's often too damn hard to put an exact number on the thing. I mean, is, it, is that how we have to go about it sometimes? So the way it manifests is that usually, uh, so you have a roadmap for the types of things you want to be able to do in a quarter, right? And uh, you don't really know exactly which of these are going to work. And there are two ways to go about it, right? You can go and hire McKinsey and, and pay them millions of dollars and they will tell you, you should pr probably try X rather than Y. Uh, but if you make it such that the cost of trying these things is really low, then you can actually get more done. You can add more things or more experiments into your roadmap and try things out in order to figure out what's optimal. So this way you, you can spend more time sort of like trying things out and figuring what is optimal for you rather than spending time in like analysis paralysis. So by reducing the amount of time it takes for certain workflows, you make it possible for them to try out a lot, a lot more things. Got it. And it seems like, you know, you mentioned the measurable element of, of ROI, incremental revenue, so to speak. It often seems like, you know, you talk about process automation, we could think about saving time, saving cost, maybe. I mean, is the incremental revenue, the incremental cost savings kind of a, a little bit bespoke client to client based on how they're using the technology, based on the exact use case and their setup and where they're bringing you into the workflow? Like, does that have to be sort of dialed in and, and nudged per client? Uh, to a certain extent, but I would say for the most part, it's bespoke per vertical, right? So I have seen companies that use AI in order to detect uh, basically default rates uh, on loans. And when that happens, uh, and, and you can actually quantify you know, what that means in terms of dollars and cents. We happen to sell to e-commerce and we are our flagship application is highly personalized emails and email uh, is very highly measurable because you can measure the number of opens and clicks and then... Yep purchases that are made. So in this case, you can actually run experiments and holdout groups and things like that that prove it. And then you can use that data in order to establish a uh, use case. So I, I suspect that uh, it depends less on the specific customer and more on the vertical. Got it. The last point I'll mention, just because I know that a lot of our Emerge Plus members, so we have sort of a series of best practice guides around AI ROI and the folks that are subscribe to that every month, often are thinking about how to make the sale and thinking about how to present ROI. And some of it is the soft factors, like what you mentioned about, hey, we could free up your folks, we could allow them to experiment better. And they're, they're trying to find how to frame and think through that. Is that side of things, that strategic side, you know, and again, you're maybe not interfacing directly in every sale here, Mahmoud, I realize your role, but does that 
also vary only industry to industry? Or to some degree, is that client to client? Maybe one person really wants to like the prestige and the forward momentum of innovation and bringing in this new technology. Maybe somebody else, it's really all about you know, employee satisfaction in some way, shape, or form. And then we have to kind of latch onto and bake that into our argument and, and bake that into kind of our, our sales process per what their desire is. Is it pretty tailored there from your perspective? Yes, to a certain extent. And I would say that usually that last mile of making it bespoke is usually what a good sales team would do if they are following, say, a process like Medic or one of those where yeah. you find a champion, you find the economic buyer, and you work with them as to which problems does your solution specifically solve for them. But I would say from a product perspective or from a product marketing perspective, you have sort of like the general use case, which is the broad strokes, and then your sales team sort of navigates the last mile. And I think that's usually the difference between sort of like solving a problem that is worth $10,000 versus solving a problem that is worth $100,000 or a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to have enough of a distilled understanding to communicate it, bring it out to the world that kind of encapsulates a lot of the strategic value in the ways that you think are are common and resonate powerfully. But then, of course, it's the sales team's job to figure out exactly what they're dialing into and double down on that to cross the finish line. Yes. And with a technical, uh, with any sort of like technical uh, product like this, you always need a solutions consulting team, right? Or sales engineering. Yeah. And the role of that becomes much more important as you scale up. Big time. Excellent. Well, Mahmoud, I know that's all we had for time, but this has been an excellent interview. Thanks so much for sharing your insights again. Dan, thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Big thanks to Mahmood for being with us and thanks to you for listening all the way through. If you like this kind of actionable, practical insight for conveying the value of AI and making the business case, to executive leadership, then again, just like I mentioned in the introduction, if you haven't heard about Emerge Plus or haven't yet checked it out, check it out. It's emerj.com slash P1. Many of our Emerge Plus members are IT services or strategy consulting folks, people who serve an advisory role to enterprise clients. And also many of our members are enterprise innovation leaders or enterprise strategy leaders who have to do the same thing. They have to go to leadership and they have to say, here are AI opportunities and here's what the potential ROI can be and here's why I believe this is the best strategy. So if you're a strategist, you're steering the ship or you're serving enterprise clients, it's emerj.com slash P1. Be sure to check it out. And otherwise, make sure you're staying connected to Emerge on social. I've mentioned a bunch of times now because over the last nine months, we've had more and more of you on Twitter and on LinkedIn because we've mentioned it here in the podcast. But be sure to follow us there. It's E-M-E-R-J on Twitter or Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on LinkedIn or on Facebook, and you'll get all of our latest interviews and podcasts there as soon as they come out. So thanks again for listening all the way through. We appreciate having you here. I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the AI and Business Podcast.